following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Going beyond the box score and the diamond, this is the show with the latest news and information on your hometown nine and the entire organization. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Twins and the Tampa Bay Rays wrapping up a weekend series here today. Twins are seeking a sweep over a very good team, and hopefully that happens about an hour from now. I'm Corey Provis. We thank you for joining us on our Sunday show, and our guest on our Sunday show is Twins bench coach Jace Tingler. Welcome back to Inside Twins. Great to see you once again. Thanks for having me this morning. It is great to visit with you, and the Twins are wrapping up not just a homestand and a series today, Jace, but a nine-game stretch against AL Eastern Division teams, a very good division, teams with winning records. Toronto win two out of three there, dropping two out of three to the Yankees, but now a chance to sweep this one today. If that happens, six and three during this nine-game run, big deal? Yeah, um, I think so. You, know, you talked about the, the AL East, and there's a lot of things to you know maybe unpack from the, the, the nine games, but to me the thing that stands out is the quality of pitchers we've been facing. And so – um, that's a pretty good, uh, um, I guess, benchmark. You know, if we're looking to win the division, we're looking to play in the playoffs. Uh, we still have things we need to work on 100%, uh, but we like the way our offense is coming together and we're able to compete against some legit number ones and twos in the league. Let's uh, list off some of those names because it began in Toronto with Kikuchi, continued with Gosman Gosman last Sunday, and then with the Yankees in town, how well that staff was throwing. Tyon, Cortez, and Cole, and then Rasmussen, and then Boz yesterday, their top prospect. What has been the the common denominator? Why Why have the bats done so well against that group? I think our collective offensive approach, just one through nine, um, we have been pretty relentless up and down. And so you look at the game yesterday, right? And it's six up, six down. Boz has it working. Celestino, two strike, hit. And then all of a sudden, you know, we get walks from the bottom of the order. We lay off some good pitches, arise with the big swing. And so um, it's not just – it's a different guy each day. It's not just a certain portion of the order, but it's it can be one through three. It can be the middle of the order. Last night – the table that was set was seven, eight, nine, and then we move it to the top. And so, I think when when you're facing those guys, um, those ones and twos, you've got to be tough in eight or nine different spots in the order. And we've collectively been able to do that. How much of it, as well, with how with how good those arms are, that you're down two strikes, it's going to be an uphill climb. That your best chance may be pitch one or two of that at bat. So. You want to be able to look for your pitch early on, and that's where I think uh, our guys, and I want to give credit to, to, to David Popkins and Frankie and Rudy on the offensive side. The way, not not only the way they're game planning, but the messaging to the players and then certainly the players' execution. Um, but then they've got a plan B, and we're able to eliminate some chases. When we're not able to get our A swings off early on, we're able to battle and the decision-making's been really good and, and, and still trying to force pitchers into the zone and not chase outside the zone. 
Um, we've improved in that, and I still think we have room to grow going forward. How do you balance plan A, plan B that you guys establish against a certain pitcher with whatever the hitter's tendencies and strengths and maybe weaknesses and preferences really are? Some guys are comfortable swinging first pitch. Other guys would rather track and see two or three. How do you balance the plan with what a hitter does and what got him here yeah it's a balance of uh what your individual plan is what we're trying to do as a team i think at the end of the day it comes down it's a negotiation here's the ball i hit here's where the guy throws the ball here's when he gets hit where he throws the ball and you try to blend those three and it's a negotiation and so as the count swings whether it's to the the hitter's advantage or the 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 pitcher's advantage you either get something or if as the hitter if the pitcher's an advantage, you've got to start to shrink your moves. You've got to start making, um, you know, we can't get as big. we got to start using the middle, the other part of the field, a little bit shorter. And so that's what I mean when the negotiation happens. Um, the count really kind of dictates that. Now, Kevin Gosman, uh, he credited the Twins for laying off his splitter, which has been mm-hmm. a great pitch. And, and you guys did that, and maybe that forced him to go to his plan B and, and plan C. Do hitters try and do that? Will they try and eliminate strengths from that pitcher, maybe isolate one or two we can see early on are not working? I think you have to with guys like Gossman. You, you can't chase him all around the zone because he'll get you dancing around and get you twisted and turned. And so I do think you have to eliminate, whether it's a side of the plate or it's a north or south part, whether I'm looking up, looking down, you have to eliminate things and give him things. And uh, otherwise, he'll get you in four or five quadrants, and you're you're in trouble. Was it beneficial for the guys collectively with, with the cutter and the amount of cutters they have seen this week, from Tyone to Cole to Rasmussen? Maybe each cutter is slightly different, but strengths that, that they're seeing from the guys 60 feet, 6 inches away and seeing them somewhat consistently, has that helped this week? I don't think it ever hurts if you're going to see guys with, you know, that pitch and if you can see them two, three, four days in a row, I, I, I certainly think that's an advantage. But, you know, the bottom line, like collectively, we've done a really good job of staying in the zone. We've we, we've done a good job of looking for the pitches and then getting barrel to an equally important. We've done a good job of not swinging at balls and, and forcing guys into the zone. And we've taken the walk when we needed we've moved the line and and continued just kind of past the uh, baton a little bit Louisa rise enters play today leading all of baseball and batting average and on base percentage i don't think we're seeing just a hot hitter right that this is more than that we're seeing one of the best swings in the game right so is it like is it more impressive you know i think he's hitting 467 something like that on the fastball or is it more impressive, he's hitting 319 with two strikes. I mean, it's it, it, it's insanity. Um, and to your point, uh, yeah, I don't think it's a fluke. It's it, it's real. The way this guy sees the ball is hand-eye coordination. Um, he's turned on a couple balls mm-hmm. this week. Uh, he's can line the ball to left, to center, to right. So when you don't swing outside the strike zone, you force guys in the zone and you have his hand-eye Look, he's going to go through ups and downs like like everyone else, but um, his downs are pretty pretty short uh, lived. Two zero count yesterday was that his normal swing, or was he sitting on that? And I'm I'm trying to hit this ball to right and give our team the lead. Was that swing different? Two zero to me. He unless he gets the two strikes, his swings are the same. What changes is his contact point. So I think what he did was he looked middle in 
and just moved his contact point up maybe two balls and caught the ball out front. Wow. So do hitters today, I heard this a long time ago, and this may be you know old school, that you have an A swing, a B swing. Is, is that the case anymore, or do guys, for the most, maybe arises in a separate category? But is there still my A swing, I'm going for the seats, or my B swing, I'm just looking to put the ball in play? I think guys, yeah. Like I, Are, are there guys in the league that just have an A swing? Yeah. But I think the, the, the majority of guys, the majority of hitters, they can – they can shorten up. They can make smaller moves. They can back the ball up. They can, you know, do those things. I think that's, I think that's winning baseball. Um, and sure, like they they get the ball out front. They pull the ball in the air. They backspin the ball. They do damage. But they're more than just uh, one club in the bag. Byron Buxton's second home run on Friday. How yeah. often have you gone back and looked at the video of how he did that without taking a full swing on, on on a ridiculously good pitch? And Byron just put a swing on a ball that you don't see often, no. and that ball went out. As you study the mechanics of that swing, how did it happen? The rules don't apply to him. It's <laughs> it's, and uh, he did it to a big part of the ballpark. I mean, yeah. this wasn't like it snuck down and and hit the pole or snuck around a pole. That's a big part of the the lineup. But you know the way his hips move, as fast as he is, it's you know the ball just jumps off his bat, and so. You know, it almost looked like he did a stop at contact deal and finished with two hands and, you know, took a three-quarter swing and it goes out to a big part of the the, the ballpark. But, um, yeah, I I can't explain it. I don't know. Yeah, back-to-back multi-homer games for Byron Buxton. He's in the lineup today. Hopefully he can do it again as the Twins look to sweep this series with the Rays. We'll take a break, come back, continue our Sunday conversation with Twins bench coach Jace Tingler. Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, continues next on your home for Twins Baseball. Inside Twins continues on a Sunday afternoon from Target Field. Twins and the Rays coming up in just a bit. Inside Twins is brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. As your role as the bench coach, and Twins bench coach James Tingler is our Sunday guest, what is your role with constructing the daily lineup with Rocco Baldelli? And we usually group up uh, at the end of the night. And Rocco, uh, myself, and, and we'll get opinions from you know Tony Diaz and and Popkins and Nate, and uh, we kick ideas. Uh, we kick ideas on um, you know matchups, and then certainly on the medical side, who's feeling well, who may need a day, uh, and, and we kick ideas, and, and and we go back and forth, and ultimately. Um, you know, Rocco makes the, the, the final decision, but he is so open-minded. Uh, he wants to hear different thoughts and, and, and see things in different perspective, and he can process it and then take his time, and, and, and then we, we get ready to roll. So it's kind of a unique, it's a fun process, and there, there's, some nights there's a lot of discussion. Some nights it's pretty simple. Um, you know, we're feeling healthy. These guys are lined up, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, some days we play matchups. Some days we just play our strengths, and, and we're going to go with our guys, and, and that's going to be Rocco's uh, gut. Uh, so we go with uh, several different options, but it's a fun process. So in terms of yesterday's lineup, when that was finalized without Correa and without Buxton for a Saturday yeah. home game, as you guys go back and forth about that, internal discussions about – does this put us in the best chance to win this game? And also from a fan standpoint, is this yep. hard for fans who are driving here from hours away to be yep. here for a weekend game yep. and to not see either guy? Does that come up in the conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We talk about all those things. And, and uh, we knew, um, you know, without 
Uh, throw Gio in there, in there too, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. no Buck, no Correa, no no Gio. And then uh, we're so excited to get the guys that are going ready to play that day. We, we do have those discussions, Corey. We do. And that's real. Um, but then once once we have the decision, like we're so excited to get the guys ready. It's you know Tony's working with Nick, uh, getting him ready. The, we got to play shortstop today. We got to play a championship level shortstop and Celestino and the other guys and seeing Miranda step up. And so we know we can compete. It's going to look a little bit different. Some of the guys are younger; they're not household names. Uh, but also, if you look up uh, when Buck and and Correa like. The other guys have held their own, and now we feel like we go into Sunday. The night before was Friday night, then we play Saturday. Now we got those guys off. We feel fresh on Sunday, and we're ready to go. And so being able to walk away with the win with some of those guys out of the lineup, um, I think that's a credit to a team. And we know that we're going to need 25, 26 guys that given week. And we're going to need about 50, 55 guys throughout the year ready to go. So it's cool to see them play winning baseball and contribute. Going back to your managing days, not too long ago, San Diego last year, you had this exciting, young, talented group of players. Did that weigh with you much about the fan experience? Is this fair to my fans who are coming to San Diego to see Tatis, to see Machado? But, man, one or two of these guys, they need a day today. No, it stinks. They have to do it at home. Yeah. Did, that, did that keep you up sometimes at night, just understanding how hard this must be for fans? For sure. And then, you know, last year, in, in 20, right, no fans were, you know, really allowed till the end of the uh, postseason. And then in 21, dealing with injuries and, yeah, you want to see some of the exciting players and not having the DH, at least at times this year. You're able to get a guy off his feet defensively and have the DH. Uh, but, yeah, I definitely think about that. I think about, look, I got two boys. I've, I, I've got a family. They're, they're 10 and 8. Um, I think about what it's like to bring the family, spend the money on, on the parking, on the tickets. And, and uh, it's important. It's important you see the Buxtons and the Correas. Like, they're not only great players, they're exciting to watch. It's, it's how you grow the game. So you definitely think about that. But you also think about the team, and you think about an opportunity to play winning baseball the last month. Uh, if you've got an opportunity to play winning baseball, you got a chance to get into the playoffs and play exciting baseball late in the year. And, and, and that's what's important as well. What's been different about Jose Miranda here from what he went through at the start? Not unusual for a guy to have, yeah. some, have a rough go, but do you see a, a whole different cat out there now swinging the bat? I'm seeing a guy that has made adjustments with the league. And the reality is he had a year of AAA, had a year and a month of AAA, um, but you have to taste it. You have to feel it. You have to everything going on. You can't send a kid down to AAA. Hey, you need to work on hitting major league breaking balls or major league cutters, just like what you're talking. They're not really in AAA. You have to see it up here, and he's adjusted. He has shortened some movements. He's understanding how guys are attacking, um, and it's exactly what you want to see. I don't care how many AAA at-bats and AA at-bats. You're not going to see those things consistently until you get to the big leagues. And so the one thing I'm most proud of him is he got punched in the face early. I love the way he's dusting himself off. He's put his left foot over his right, and he's moved forward, 
and he's been positive and he's adjusted and he's been positive and you're seeing him reap the benefits of that attitude and work ethic and he's made the adjustment and he's doing really well offensively. Yeah, all the now. numbers are going up, OPS right. slugging and hitting the ball very, very hard. Speaking of confidence, Ryan Jeffers yesterday threw out two base runners. Big deal? First time that he, he'd done that all year long? Is that big for him? I think it is. I also like the way his teammates picked him up. And so Polo finishing the play, getting the tag back down on him. And and there we get the out and a little bit confidence come. We pick a guy off. Chi-Chi, I think, picks a guy mm-hmm. off at first, a rise, good tag. And then they try to go to third and Jeffers gets that. And so, you know, that's a full inning right there. And that's, yes, it's big for Jeffers, uh, but that took a team effort, you know, to, to do that. And I think Polo staying with the tag, which is what we talk about, what Tony Diaz talks about. Um, I love the way the guys pick each other up. Emilio Pagan joined us in the postgame show after the game yesterday, and he gave credit to Ryan. The game-ending strike was probably low, but Jeffers frames the ball exceptionally well, and that little movement ended the game yesterday in a one-run game. Jeffers game-calling, his receiving, all these things. Um, we didn't have what I would say our strikeout unit in general you know, going. So I think uh, Jeffers, the way he's been receiving them i think his game yesterday was just outstanding uh overall like you said he threw out two guys i don't know how many punch outs we ended with it nine yeah um his walk able to lay off that led to the the arise bomb and so uh we had a lot of different pitchers going yesterday and and be able to navigate that lineup and navigate those guys so i think there's a lot of things that maybe the the the, the common thing you may miss but uh, when you look at his overall game yesterday, I thought he's outstanding. Great conversation today with Twins bench coach Jace Tingler. Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. We'll come back. One last segment next on your home for Twins baseball. Final segment of Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Probe is back with Twins bench coach Jace Tingler as we wrap up the Sunday show. Nick Gordon, how's he feeling today? He's in there doing treatment. Um, He's moving around, uh, and he's getting checked out by the doctors and training staff now. So I'm having breakfast. We took a little bit of walk today just to kind of check in, and and, uh, he felt that he's doing well. Uh, but then again, he's he's gotten up, he's walked around. It, it hadn't been tested yet, so uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. After a little bit of treatment, some exercises, we'll kind of see what the trainers and doctors have to say. Did he tell you when exactly the the injury or the discomfort first popped up? He's been dealing with a little little bit through uh, probably been the, the the last month. We okay. noticed it uh two or three days ago when he was running down the line i think he beat out the back end of a double play what he said yesterday was where he noticed it the most was on the double play feed to polo um and i think it was somebody beat the back end uh, out of the double play um was it hair no you know what? I'd have to go back. I don't yeah. Have my scorebook. Yeah. But, I, but, I, but, but, I know but he said it was yep. that the, the the ground ball to him, and he went to feed it to Polo. Was that Ramirez? Harold yes. Ramirez? It, yes, yeah. it was. Okay. That that's what it was, and and he said that's when it started to grab. And I teased him. Um, 
I think his last AB may have been his best swing of the day. I'm like, you're, you know, better hitter with one knee, one <laughs> hamstring, whatever. It's like we got to do that offensively. But uh, we certainly need his legs uh, uh, underneath him, obviously. The amount of four-men outfield looks that, yeah. that the Twins hitters have seen this week, as you guys were planning for these matchups, does that come up in meetings about these teams, these players, you guys be ready for a four-man outfield? Yes, um, but I think it's talked more with with the staff. Um, we knew that Toronto was pretty extreme with their shifting and some of the things they do. Uh, we don't always know when when the teams are going to do it, and uh, you look at it, and and uh, I think they did it to Max yesterday. Yes. and three straight batters. Yeah, there were three batters yeah. in a row, which I've never <laughs> seen before. I've seen a batter here right. and there, but not three in a row. Right. So um, it, it, it's funny how each team values certain things or how they see things, and, and we certainly you know pay, pay notice to it. i got about 20 seconds left. Quickly, good news this week. Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray both come back? Um, I, <laughs> that, bo- both those guys are doing well. Uh, super, super encouraging. Joe coming out of his start. Sonny coming out of his pins. I also want to note, too, Josh Winder seems to be making some yeah. strides. And, and so uh, um, let, let's keep the fingers crossed and keep uh, good vibes going. Sounds good. Hey, great conversation. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks for having me this morning. I enjoyed it. Uh, we thank Jace Tingler for his time. More to come. The pregame show is coming up momentarily. Then we'll have Game 3, Twins, and the Rays. Coming up at 110, our coverage continues next on your home for Twins Baseball. You've been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.